Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Uh, thanks for coming to church. Good morning, everybody that's dialing in online today. Uh, where our church is in a season uh, where we are answering God's call to grow the prayer life of our church. And uh, I am teaching a series of messages called Praying Like Paul. And we're looking at some of the prayers that Paul prayed for the churches that um, he led or had concerns for and wanted to pour into. Um, I believe that the call to prayer for us as a church is a both a corporate call, as in we get together to pray, uh, and the Bible is full of that. Certainly in the book of Acts, uh, you see them gathering to pray pretty often. And then uh, what I also want to feed is your individual, your prayer life at the house, and what happens in the way that uh, you are seeking after God in your personal world. So we're, we're learning from the Apostle Paul's prayers. And what I want us to, to see is, I don't want to just borrow somebody's uh, technique of how to pray. Uh, I think there are concepts that fuel us having an incredible prayer life. So we are looking at, uh, right now, this first chapter of Ephesians, where Paul is praying a prayer. And I'm going to read a few verses in a minute. But one of the things that he's praying for that I think is certainly a necessary part of, of having a great, even a great walk with God, but certainly a great prayer life, he's praying that we would have a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, the more you get to know God, uh, the better your life will be. We sang this song a little earlier about the names of God, and it's not just we're attaching names. It's like this is the character of God. So when we are, are, are praying this prayer, I've been praying it for myself. I've been praying it for people in my world um, that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The Bible does draw a distinction between revelation knowledge and sense knowledge. Sense knowledge is just, you know, what your natural faculties gather, but revelation knowledge is, is an inward thing, an aha moment uh, where you start to see something about God or even about the truth of God that brings um, change to your life. So he is praying this prayer. He's saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of your calling, that you would know the glorious riches of the inheritance that you have in the saints. But there's a particular third aspect that he's asking us, that he's praying over that I want to take some time and kind of unwrap today. He's talking about the surpassing greatness of the power of God that is directed toward us who believe. In other words, the revelation would, would, it's easy to say God is God, he can do whatever he wants. The revelation is that God is directing that incredible power toward us who believe, 
right? It's, it's, the, it's the knowledge that that power is directed toward me, directed toward you. So I want to read uh, a couple of verses out of uh, Ephesians 1, out of the message translation, starting in verse 19. So he's prayed that we're, you know, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would understand this. And he says, oh, verse 19, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So I want to give you a couple of ideas uh, built out of these verses. Number one is this idea. Jesus is in charge of everything. I'm going to just try that one more time just to make sure. Jesus is in charge of everything. Amen. <laughs> and he's not worried about anything. God, the Bible tells us God is on the throne. Uh, he is ruling. He is watching over it all. He has the final word on everything. Ephesians 1, 20 and 21 in the New American Standard says, He, God, raised Jesus from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Here's what the Bible is telling us, and here's the revelation that I believe impacts what our prayer life could really be like, is understanding that Jesus is far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, every name that is named. You know, in a few weeks, we'll have Easter Sunday. It's a day that we really make a big deal about celebrating the resurrection, which we always appreciate and celebrate the resurrection. And the resurrection is a big event. Jesus is not just a person who had some good sayings about how to live life. Jesus Christ overcame death, hell, the grave. I mean, it's a big deal. 
I was watching a little clip of um, Joe Rogan interviewing somebody and they were talking about, yeah, I like the stuff about Christianity, some of the, you know, love your neighbor as yourself kind of stuff. I'm into that. But this raised from the dead thing, I, I don't buy that at all. And I'm praying, God, give Joe Rogan a revelation that Jesus is not just a good teacher, but that he overcame the grave. But what this, these verses are telling us is that the resurrection is a big event, but it didn't just stop at the resurrection. God's power raised Jesus to a place of ultimate authority over all things. Jesus is the head, the authority, the ruler, the Bible says, of all things, not just religious things, all things. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. I am at peace knowing there is someone who is in charge, really. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are in positions of authority, but it doesn't seem they know what they're doing. But it's good to know that there is someone who knows what they're doing that is in charge. The Bible says he works all things out for his ultimate purpose. So just a reminder to us today, God in charge loves this planet. God in charge has a plan for this planet. And no matter what the news of today is, because there was different news yesterday because that's what the news organizations wanted to feed us. And there's news today, and there'll probably be a different set of news tomorrow, whatever they want to feed us. I just want you to know, yesterday, today, tomorrow, Jesus is Lord over it all. There is nothing too small to escape his notice. And there is nothing too big to be beyond his capability. The second idea that I want to talk about for a minute is this. The one who is in charge of everything is in charge of the church. So verse 22, Ephesians 1 says, he is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything, at the center of all of this being in charge, Christ rules the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He's not just the head of the church. The head of all things is the head of the church. Now, you may or may not have liked Tom Brady. It's hard not to respect the fact that he's the goat. Even though I love Drew Brees with all my heart. But you got to look at this guy who won six Super Bowls playing for a darn Yankee team, the Patriots, 
And as soon as he started playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they won a Super Bowl because the GOAT was their leader. Can I just say, when we are serving the one who is in charge of everything, the head over all things is now head over his great church. That means we win more than a Super Bowl ring, right? The third thing I want to say is this, the church is central to God's plan for the earth, right? Ephesians 1.23 in the message, I love this translation of it. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Without a revelation concerning the church, the church can have a bit of an identity crisis. You will not watch the news or most movies or listen to most music or scroll through most social media and get any kind of idea that the church is at the center of everything. As a matter of fact, the world would like to label the church as non-essential when the church is the most essential thing that exists on the planet. Your family, my family, super important. Your business, your career, your life, your friendships, your hobby. Yeah, that stuff is important, but there is nothing that is more essential for this planet than God's great church. And the truth is, a lot of people try to push the church to the periphery, to the edges, to where it's not at the center of things, it's at the peripheral of things. The church is the center of everything God is doing, everything God wants to do, everything God will do on the earth. Ephesians 1.23 says the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So let me go simple just for a second. The church, that's us, you and me, the collected, called out, the Bible Greek word is ekklesia, called out from the world, joined together, that's the church. The church is his body. The head makes a decision. Jesus, the body, acts it out. The body does what the head is wanting us to do. If he rules the earth, the way God rules the earth is through his church. 
The way he does his will in the earth is through his church. And that's, I believe, one of the reasons we've got to get a revelation and understanding of the power of our prayer life because there's a lot of things that churches do that the Red Cross could do it. Helping social organizations could do it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, but we have been given spiritual keys of authority exercised in prayer. It's one of our main weapons. It's one of our main resources. I'm praying that this revelation is hitting all of us. The church is not this little religious institution that kind of sits on the corner, sort of a side issue on the landscape of life. The, the church is God's channel. And I think even for believers, people who legitimately love Jesus, there's a mix-up in their thinking about the importance of the church and the importance of their connection to the church. But the church is God's channel to do everything that's in his heart to do. The Bible says it's in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with the presence of God. Church is God's idea. We didn't come up with this idea. God did. But not only is church God's idea, God has ideas about the church. And it's good that we dial into his ideas rather than bring the world and society and the culture's ideas as to what the church is really all about. The Bible says the church, and some of these verses I've read a hundred times here, but I'm going to read them a hundred and one. Church is the gate of heaven. Genesis 28, 11, Jacob came to a certain place, spent the night there because the sun had set, took one of the stones of the place, put it under his head, lay down in that place. He had a dream. Behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep, said, surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't even know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome. Somebody say awesome. Is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I love that. How awesome is the house of God. It's a place. When the, you know what's awesome about the house of God? It's not how loud or good the music is, or whether things look visually or feel visually, the awesomeness of the house of God is that the house of God, you and me gathered together, is a place of supernatural intersection with heaven meeting the earth. It's the house of God is the gate of heaven that God walks out through that gate into the earth, through us. God, people walk in through that gate and touch heaven 
with us. Jesus gave us an indicator of the church and God's ideas about the church. Matthew 16, 18, I'm saying to you that you're Peter upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overpower it. I'm going to give you, the church, the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Hey, can I just say to you, Jesus sitting on the throne over galaxies, over governments, final word on everything, he said this, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are never going to prevail against it. Governments may fail, but the church will endure. Economies may falter, but the church will endure. Tyrants may rise up and fall, but the church will endure. Styles and trends and ideas are going to come and go, but the church will endure. And, and Jesus is saying to us, he's building this church that he's giving the keys, the authority of the kingdom to be released on the earth. Isaiah 2 verse 2 gives us another picture of God's idea about the church. It'll come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord, the mountain of the church, will be established as the chief of all the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All the nations will stream to it. Your house is important. My house is important. But the most important house in Asheville in Western North Carolina, in the United States, around the world. The most important house is the house of God. And the last idea that I want to talk about, because I want to make, I want to bring this home for us, is that number four, that we will make the connection between our house and God's house. If the church is central and not peripheral, then I think we have to make the church central and not peripheral in our lifestyle. If the church is so important in God's plan, it is important that we put the church where God wants the church to be in our personal lives. There's a great story in the Old Testament that kind of gives us a good picture of this. Second Chronicles 9, verse 1, the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon. She came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with difficult questions. She had a very large retinue, her posse, with camels carrying spices, a large amount of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon. She spoke with him about all that was on her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from Solomon, which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house 
which he'd built for himself, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his ministers in their attire, his cupbearers in their attire, his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. Then she said to the king, it's a true report, which I heard about in my own land, about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not even believe those reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. Behold, the half of your greatness of your wisdom was not told me. In other words, this is twice as good as I thought it was going to be. You surpass the report that I heard. The queen of Sheba, blown away by the quality of Solomon's life. I think it's a great goal to aspire to, that when the world shows up at our house, they go, wow, this, this, this is twice as good as what I've heard. The, the reality is better than the marketing. I don't know how many of you guys watch the Super Bowl, and some people watch the Super Bowl because they like the commercials. And there was one particular commercial for uh, Coinbase, and they, I don't know if you saw it with the little QR code that was bouncing on the screen, for a solid minute, cost $7 million for 30 seconds, $14 million, just a little QR code bouncing on the screen. I, being a little suspicious, thought, I'm not shooting that QR code because they're going to drop a bomb in my phone. I don't want that to happen. But it was for a company called Coinbase Crypto, and that ad drew millions of people. People shot that QR code, and it drove so many millions of people to their website their website crashed. Now I'm thinking, if you're going to spend $14 million on a commercial, make the website work. But what it actually did was exposed one of their greatest weaknesses because their website always crashes. And if I'm thinking, I'm taking all my savings and put it into a website that crashes all the time, I don't think so. Their marketing was better than their substance. Notice this list of things that the Queen of Sheba is amazed with. Solomon's wisdom, the house that he'd built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his, his ministers and the way they looked, the way they were dressed, their attire, his cupbearers and their attire. But then she noticed he had this stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Now, let me just say, she was amazed at the house he built, how he lived, God is concerned about your house. He, not just the building that your house is in, but your house, the blessing of God 
on your house. Your house is more than just the building. Just like church is more than just the building. It's your style, it's your family, it's the love, it's the joy, it's the peace, it's the legacy, it's all the things that make your house a great place. And here is the Queen of Sheba. She's looking at the order and she's looking at the excellence and she's looking at the appearance and the substance of all things about around Solomon. But there's just this little phrase that caught my attention. She was blown away by Solomon's stairway that went up to the house of the Lord. In other words, Solomon built a path in his house, in his lifestyle, that was such a noticeable feature of his house. It ran from his house to God's house. In other words, God's house just wasn't a peripheral thing. It was a big feature in Solomon's life, this stairway that went to God's house and that went from God's house to his house. Solomon's path from his house to God's house, it was remarkable. It was impressive. It was designed on purpose. It was on purpose. And I just want to say, while especially in the last couple of years, many people have continued to try to marginalize the house of God, I just want to call us back to making a connection and remind you and me that the Bible is still our pattern to live by and that church still is God's idea and that Jesus still loves his church that Jesus still died for his church, that Jesus is still building his church, and that Asheville, Western North Carolina, needs our church to be remarkable, to be strong, to be extraordinary. I believe that strong, prevailing, vibrant, life-giving churches are... They are the hope of the world. They are the gate that God is going to pour himself into the earth through. Build a stairway to the house of God. Your house attached to God's house. God's house attached to your house. Men, come on, let's do it. Women, come on, let's do it. Teenagers, come on, let's do it. Young adults, come on, let's do it. Put it in your schedule. Put it in your lifestyle. Put it in your values. And make it a, make it a, a, a noticeable piece of your life. Let it be a channel of blessing for your house. Let it be a channel of blessing for God's house. Psalm 92, verse 12 says this, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted, not just occasionally attending, but your soul connected, a stairway on purpose between your house and God's house, planted in the house of the Lord. They're gonna flourish in the courts of our God. People get saved 
in the house of God. Worship encounters that change people's lives happen in the house of God. Hey, people meet their spouse in the house of God. Come on, Jeremiah, you should have said amen, son. (laughs) That was your chance. Children get loved on and find out about God who loves them in the house of God. Come on, mindsets are changed in the house of God. Bodies are healed in the house of God. Anointings are released in the house of God. Discipleship takes place in the house of God. Some of your best friends can be found in the house of God. And I'm not just pushing on church attendance. I'm I'm saying, come on, we got to connect to this thing that God has put central and make it central in our life. I want to pray with you guys. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we are asking you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Help us to really see. Help it to really grasp our soul that you are in charge of it all. Father, no matter what we may be facing, you have more than enough capability to resolve that issue and bring your redemption and blessing. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here today, you've never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you used to be close to the Lord, but you're not now. And you know it's time to come home. Or maybe you just don't feel confident about where you stand with God. Could I pray with you? If if you are in a place where you say, "I, I need Jesus in my life. I need my life in his hands. You say, Pastor, you're, you're talking to me. I, I want to draw closer to the Lord. I want to open my heart to Jesus. Would you pray with me? I want you just to lift your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? All over the room, God bless you. Come on. Just right on. Thank you so much here. Thank you over here. Thank you all over the room. Come on. Just surrender to Jesus. Hey, listen, you want your life in the hands of the one who is in charge of it all. Anybody else that just wants to say, pray with me? God bless you, sir. God bless you. Let's all say this prayer together. Everybody say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love and your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord?